You're listening to The Open Podcasts. I walked over to my caddy and I said, what the is going on here? And uh, he says, I don't know, he says, but just keep doing it. We had a little laugh. Gary Evans completes one of the most extraordinary rounds in the history of the Open Championship. 110 years since the championship was first played over these famous links at Muirfield. And what drama. Ended up in the locker room. Dominic put the bag down, looked at each other and went, what's just happened? Have we just won the Open? Gary Evans is not a name synonymous with major championship golf. In fact, Evans only made one appearance in a major championship outside of the United Kingdom, a PGA championship in 2003, where he made the cut. Before 2002, most casual golf fans wouldn't have even known who the then 33-year-old was, let alone think him a major championship threat. Yet despite Evans' stature as a relative unknown, in 2002 the Englishman began a three-year stretch of golf at the Open Championship that made history. Evans didn't win an Open, and neither did he ever finish higher than a tie for fifth. But those numbers don't even begin to tell half the story. And that was a most magnificent moment in golf. This is Tales of the Open. This is the story of Gary Evans. Born in Rustington, West Sussex in 1969, Evans got his start in golf from an early age. His mother and father were publicans and the family lived above the pub in the heart of the village. If Evans did well in school, his father would take him to the putting green on the way back to their home. As Evans began to enjoy the game more and more, regular visitors to the pub would bring him hickory-shafted golf clubs. Eventually Evans had a small set and would take a bus ride to a pitch-and-putt course two miles away before eventually joining Worthing Golf Club at the age of 12. Evans began to play more frequently and improved at a remarkable rate. The natural talent of the Sussex lad was there for all to see, as just five years after joining his first club, he won the Caris Trophy for juniors. Just a few years after that, Evans would play in his first-ever Open Championship after qualifying at Irving Bogside. I'll never forget it. 1989, Irving Bogside. Uh, I qualified. I had a friend of mine on the bag, a guy called Tony Scola, who was a school teacher. And um, it was a lovely, lovely day. And I got through in a playoff. Um, it was a, like, a, I think it was, it was like six of us for maybe three spots or something like that. I can't remember, I can't recall exactly, but I got through the first extra hole. It was an incredibly difficult first hole. And I made a par and got through. And I remember that evening, um, it was beautiful weather that summer. And Tony and I were so excited. Um, that evening, we sort of took a drive to Royal Troon and um, just walked a few of the holes. And this is absolutely true. Uh, we got, I think it was the, th- I think it was either the third or the fourth green. And Paul Azinger was practicing and he'd thrown a couple of balls down and he was about 30 feet from the, the hole. And he hits his first putt and the ball is about 10 feet off of the putter face, traveling towards the hole. 
and he shouts to his caddy, that's an easy make. And he starts walking towards his second ball. In the meantime, his first ball is travelling towards the hole and it goes in. And I looked to Tony and I thought, oh, I said, what the hell? <laughs> this is what we're up against. Um, and we went home that evening. We, had, we were so excited. I mean, I'd, it was light until about 11 o'clock up there at that time of the year. And um, I got very little sleep. Even par have the real chance to set the target as we watch Gary Evans attempt for a birdie. Anyone on about level par shoot a 65 and that's a really competitive target. As you can see, for the day. Yes, he's had an awful lot of birdies in his card, and the last three holes he's recorded those. Despite his precociousness, a 20-year-old Evans wasn't able to conquer the sense of occasion at the 118th Open Championship. He shot 73 and 76 in his opening rounds to miss the cut by three shots. But it was just a phenomenal experience. It was hot, hot summer. The, the golf course was hard and dry. And it was the year that Kalkovecchia won, beat Norman and Wayne, I think Wayne Grady in a playoff. Uh, I still remember it vividly to this day. It was it was a fabulous sort of uh, inauguration to playing, I think, my first of nine Opens. It was great. Evan's amateur career, however, really took off after the Open in 1989. The following year, he won the first of back-to-back English amateur championships and back-to-back Lytham trophies, establishing himself as one of the world's best amateurs and writing his name in amateur folklore. In 1991, Evans also played in the Open at Royal Birkdale, again missing the cut with rounds of 77 and 76, before earning a spot on the Walker Cup team that year for GB&I, where he beat champion golfer-to-be David Duval in the singles. After the Walker Cup, Evans turned professional and quickly earned a European Tour card for 1992, where he began strongly to his career. Mixing with players he had only dreamed of playing with, Evans has never lost the feeling of what it was like to step on tour with his heroes. So, obviously, as a kid growing up and watching golf on the television on the BBC, you know, he used to stay up and watch the Masters and, you know, particularly sort of Jack Nicklaus. Um, you know, winning his uh, sixth uh, green jacket was incredible. But as a kid, you grow up and you watch the Faldos and the Lyles and the Woosnams and all the Ryder Cups, which were, you know, just phenomenal to, to watch as a sort of teenager. Uh, and to actually get to the point where I turned professional and had to go go for the tour school, and I was lucky enough to get through at the first first attempt finished second at tour school and got onto the tour in 1992 and to be turning up and actually playing next to my heroes um, I never really got over it uh, I even to this day I mean I'm retired 10 years from the European tour even today you know when I catch up with the Lazabelle you know on a putting green somewhere or or Faldo, you know, I was living in in Orlando for a while. And so, yeah, I feel incredibly privileged, incredibly lucky that I got to rub shoulders with these guys and compete against them and play with them. Um, it was it was a great experience and something that I shall treasure, you know, forever. Five birdies, one bogey in the first seven holes. 
33-year-old Englishman from Worthing. Evans' continued good form would enable him to qualify for the 1992 Open, where he just missed the cut, and then again for the Open the following year at Royal St. George's. In 1993, Evans was playing at an elite level, fully controlling his ball most weeks he played. His excellent golf earned the then 24-year-old a high-profile grouping with a certain superstar that would leave a lasting effect on him. I played with Greg Norman in... 1993, the year he won at Royal St. George's. Winner of the gold medal and the champion golfer for the year with a score of 267, Greg Norman. And we, I was playing really well. And um, I remember playing with him first round and I birdied the first, he double bogeyed the first. And um, he birdied the second. Uh, I birdied the third. Anyway, we get round to 12th hole and we've both hit it in the fairway. I'm three under, he's one over. And we both hit lob wedge into this green. I stiff it, he hits it 30 feet. He comes over, pulls my wedge out of the bag and says, are these grooves legal? And I'm like, laughed at him because obviously, you know, it was funny. Uh, I don't know whether he was trying to put me off or whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, so I, I've gone four under. I'm leading. Anyway, we get round. He birdies 13. And at 14, the par five. I'll never forget this. I will never, ever forget this. He'd been playing really quite poorly. He was level par, but he wasn't playing well. And I was playing really well. I was four under. He hits it left off. It's the par five up against the outbounds fence on the right. And it was into the wind and he sort of smothers a drive left. I hit a good drive up the middle. He smothers a three wood left in the rough still. I hit three iron up the fairway. He goes in with a four iron third shot, short right of the green. And I hit a, a pitch nine iron into about seven feet to go five under. He stands over this chip shot and he thins it, he knifes it. It bounces twice, hits the flagpole a foot up the flag pole and drops in. It was going 40 feet past. It goes in for a birdie. I miss my putt and from that point on, he bounced to the 15th tee. His whole demeanor changed. After playing poorly, he got that one stroke of luck there at, 15, uh, at um, 14. Stands on the 15th tee, flush drive, five iron, four feet, in. 16, the par three. Hits a poor shot to 40 feet, par three, in. 17, driver, seven iron, four foot, in. And then we both par the last. I think he shot 66 and I shot 67. I think that was those were the scores. I can't remember, but I came off the golf course thinking, how on earth did he just do me by a shot? And because I had outplayed him. Um, but that one stroke of luck changed his whole tournament. And he turned up the next day and he played unbelievable golf. And of course, he went on to win the Open Championship that year. But it, I'll never forget that one chip shot because what it teaches you is that no matter what's going on in your round, 
one stroke of luck here or there, one little thing can change the entire dimension of your day. And he never gave up. He was a gr he was a grinder, he was a grafter, he was a hard worker. And the moment the door opened ever so slightly, he stuck his foot in the door and pushed it open. And fair play to him, he went on and won the Open Championship. So it was a, a valuable lesson learned um, that day, um, never to give up because you just don't know, you know, what might happen. Well, there's another. What a remarkable card this is. Look at that. He bogeyed the first hole, thought it wasn't going to be his day. And all the red ones are the birdies. The solitary blue three is a par. He's right in the thick of it. Just one off the lead in the championship. That lesson would prove vital for Evans nearly a decade later. But despite a great opening round playing alongside Norman, Evans would again miss the cut by an agonising margin. Still though, Evans was constantly improving and was confident of gaining his first win on the European Tour. You know, I fully expected to win on the Tour when I came out on Tour. I thought it would only be a matter of, you know, a year or two years before I get my first win under my belt because, you know, I could play the game, you know, to a high standard. In 1994... Again, his season got off to a strong start and playing in his fourth consecutive Open, Evans made his first cut. A good finish of tied 35th was yet another step in the right direction. It was then, however, that Evans made a discovery that would change things for the worse. In uh, Towards the uh, end of 92, um, I un unknowingly I broke my wrist playing a bunker shot at the Belfry. Um, and I played golf for two years, two and a half years with what I thought was, you know, ligament damage, but actually I'd broken my wrist. I had surgery and then when I came back from the surgery in sort of, I think it was around about 95, 96, um, I had to change my grip dramatically from the grip that I had previously because my wrist wasn't operating, you know, it wasn't moving uh, conventionally. So it took me the best part of three years to rebuild my golf swing in order to find a way to play consistently. Um, it's incredibly frustrating. Um, you know, I had a very conventional golf swing as the, through, through my amateur days and when I turned pro and then that broken wrist really changed my, the track of my entire career really. The traditional beautiful swing that Evans once possessed was no more. In its place came a swing that, though ridiculed, Evans learned to trust, and a swing that stood the Englishman well, but not before a period of turmoil. The operation on my wrist caused me, my left wrist, to move from a like a, a classic sort of two, two and a half knuckle grip to a four knuckle grip. So um, it just changed my ball flight entirely. I mean, I won two English um, stroke play championships as an amateur and two Lytham trophies as an amateur. So all on links style golf courses. And I used to control my ball flight really well uh, with a conventional swing. The trouble with what happened with my second swing, shall we call it, because I went to such a very strong grip, I was hooking everything horrifically and I couldn't control ball flight. And so I ended up getting incredibly steep with my left arm uh, in my backswing and then laying off, 
it's become convention. Look at John Rahm now. Uh, look at Dustin Johnson. They're all doing what I I had to do as a result of my operation, uh, which is quite funny. And a lot of my colleagues on the tour used to take the Mickey out of my golf swing because it was it was funky. But and I didn't like my golf swing. Trust me, I couldn't watch it on television. I hated my golf swing, but I found a way to make it work. Um, and actually hit the ball relatively well, relatively well. You know, one always wonders what could my career have been like had my golf swing remained the same as it was when I turned pro. But, you know, ifs, whats and maybes, you know, don't count in this world. So you just got to accept what God's given you and, and do the best that you can. So that's all I could do. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't do anything other than that. Gary Evans going really well as well, former top amateur player. Never a winner on the tour, Gary Evans. Evans missed the entirety of the 1995 season with his wrist injury, and it was four long years before Evans played again in the Open, again making the cut. It was this time, however, that Evans truly learned to play in golf's original major. 98, yes. And I enjoyed I enjoyed that week a little bit more because obviously I hadn't played any Opens for a good few years. And just being a part of, of the Open Championship, it took me until really 98 to figure out how to play an Open Championship. Because, you know, when you're a normal guy and, you know, everyone's interested, uh, you get a great deal of support from your friends and associates and everything else and it was still very much a a situation that I was a bit sort of blown away by the whole appearing there you know people be calling you up for tickets people be inviting you for dinner There, there, there was too much going on around that week and it was only by sort of 98 I started to change the way that I turned up for that week I started sort of not locking myself away, but really being a lot more focused on playing uh, and trying to play well, as opposed to taking in everything that was going on around me. Uh, I started to try and put the shutters up a little bit and it helped. I don't think I played, I I think I made the cut in 98, but I don't think I did any good particularly. Um, But I do remember coming off the golf course and Justin Rose was just lacing up his boots to go out and play the final round. And he was an amateur, if you recall. I think he finished you know, in the top five as an amateur. I think he was leading even going into the final round. He was certainly there or thereabouts. And I wished him luck. And, uh, you know, obviously he's from Hampshire and I was from Sussex, so he was like a local lad to me. And I wished him every success. And I said, you know, you can do it and what have you. And then he had that phenomenal finish. You know, we hold that pitch shot at the last. Get it! which will forever remain in the memories of a lot of golf fans. So, yeah, Birkdale was, Birkdale was good. Gary Evans, who's four under. This is the 10th. Needs to get down in two from here. Saw a couple of players hit this putt earlier when I was wandering around the course, and they nearly putted it off the green. In late 2001, Evans was in a tough place personally. 
but the gutsy Englishman took a word of advice from one of his close friends. That piece of advice would change his fortunes in the game just at the right time. I was married in 95 and I got divorced in uh, October of 2001 and I entered into a bit of a um, a dark period for a number of months uh, when I realised that I'd lost everything that I'd worked for for a decade and a friend of mine took me aside and basically said look you know you're still young you're still incredibly talented you know you need to throw yourself into your golf you need to work hard I took his advice and uh, I started working really hard on my game and the results started to come I started posting a few top 10 finishes I started feeling more comfortable on the golf course I started focusing more on my golf and and a lot less elsewhere in my life and uh, so coming to O2 Open Muirfield always one of my favourite golf courses since I played the British Amateur there um, so I loved Muirfield and I'd played the Open at Muirfield previously where I, I think I shot 72, 72 and missed the cut by a shot um, the year that Faldo won I think Heading into the 2002 Open, only Evans' second Open since 1994, the Englishman was playing his best golf since his surgery. Having become an exceptional putter in the years since his wrist problems, Evans had also matured as a player. He was comfortable with his clubs, his golf, and this time around, the magnitude of the Open Championship would not get the better of him. Yeah, I came there feeling good and comfortable and I had a a good relationship with my caddy and we put in some good preparation uh, when I got there. And, um, you know, I was really excited and looking forward to to playing the event. But this time, I wasn't getting tickets for every Tom, Dick and Harry. This time, I wasn't going out for dinner every night. This time, I stayed locally in a person's house with my caddy and we had the quietest week ever. A solid first round of 72 was quickly followed by a superb 68 on Friday. Evans was in his best position yet heading into the weekend of an Open and sat one shot outside the top 10 and just three shots off the five strong halfway leaders. Hello and good morning. And welcome to the links of Muirfield for the third round of this 131st Open Championship. What was to transpire on Saturday, however, proved to be one of the most difficult days in the history of the Open Championship. The weather over Edinburgh and through Muirfield was horrendous, and the drama of the day would have befitted a Hollywood script. Tiger Woods, looking for his third major in a row and going for the calendar Grand Slam, shot a 10 over par 81, one of his worst rounds as a professional. Woods started the day a shot ahead of Evans, but didn't handle the conditions as well as the Englishman. Evans played superbly. It actually began really on Saturday. Uh, I was paired with Sergio Garcia on Saturday, 
and the weather as you recall on saturday we had the worst storm and you've got to go a, an awfully long way down this leaderboard to find the name now of tiger woods and we played right through the middle of that storm and i just gra- ground out ground out ground out par after par after par remember birdieing 15 to go back to level par for the day and that I felt like was like five under par that's what I felt it was uh, uh, for the round for the conditions and the saddest thing was I finished off bogey 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 Gary Evans oh that was for a par at 16 Gary still one under for the championship so right in it at the moment and I really felt when I came off the golf course that I'd thrown away a great opportunity to really move through the field because I had played really well. Despite the three bogeys to finish, Evans still sat at one over par for the championship, which was not overly far from the lead. He stood six shots behind Ernie Els and just four shots behind second-placed Soren Hansen. On the Sunday, Evans had a unique feeling and some words of advice from his coach Ewan Murray would prove the tonic for the Englishman's early nerves. True story again, absolutely true as I sit here. Um, driving to the course, it was a nice bright sunny day and I rang Ewan Murray who was looking after me at the time with my golf swing. And I, uh, you can ask Ewan, this is absolutely true. I rang him, I said, listen, I said, I, f- I think I'm gonna play really well today. I said, how am I gonna handle this coming up? you know, the back nine, um, because I, I feel like I'm going to go close. And he said, look around at the birds, look around at the trees, look around at the clouds. They're all going to be there tomorrow and none of them cares what you do. None of them cares. It doesn't matter. You just go and play and whatever will be, will be. Don't think it, don't overthink it. Just let it happen. When Evans teed off on the Sunday, nobody, not even the man himself, could have foreseen what was to come over the next 18 holes. Thoughts of anything positive whatsoever seemed even more unlikely after a somewhat inauspicious start. So I walk onto the first tee, hit a great tee shot, hit the fairway, which is a difficult tee shot, the first at, uh, at Muirfield. First time I've hit the fairway all week and proceed to hit a five iron in the right trap, splash it out to five feet, miss it, make bogey. And I think, oh, right, so four bogeys in a row when you when you add on the three from last night. And then um, my, my round began. I birdied two, a birdied three, a birdied four, part five, I birdied six, two under, as is Gary Evans now. Evans having had four birdies in his first six holes and one bogey. A birdie seven. Lovely birdie for Gary. As you can see, four under for the day. Yes, he's had an awful lot of birdies in his card and the last three holes he's recorded those. And a birdie eight. Well, there's another. What a remarkable card this is, look at that, he bogeyed the first hole, thought it wasn't going to be his day, and all the red ones are the birdies, the solitary blue three is a par. And then the par five ninth, 
I had about a six foot putt for birdie and I missed it. I went, oh, well, never mind. And so I'm out in, I don't know what I was out in, five under, something like that. And then 10, 10th hole, really difficult hole, winds off the left. Hit a decent drive up the right side of the fairway, hit like a four iron, came off it, came out of the shot, hit it short right of the green. And I must have had, no word of a lie, 75, 80 foot. Gary Evans, who's four under, this is the 10th, needs to get down in two from here. Saw a couple of players hit this putt earlier while I was wandering around the course and they nearly putted it off the green. And I putted it and I hold it. How about that? Now that is absolutely amazing. He would have gladly, he'd have snapped your hand off if he said you can walk to the next tee, give you two putts. Now he's earning What's going on? And I walked over to my caddy and I said, what the is going on here? And uh, he says, I don't know, he says, but just keep doing it. We had a little laugh. And um, I don't know where I am. I'm not looking at leaderboards. I don't know where I am. I, I'm, I don't know where I am. So the story is that because um, the leaders were out the best part of an hour, an hour and 20 minutes behind me, okay? So, you know, they're, they're still going down the, the first couple of holes. Um, but the interesting story is that um, I get to the 11th tee and the 11th at Muirfield is a drive up this ridge, quite a steep ridge. You've got to hit it over the hill um, to put it in the fairway. And I played with Sergio the previous day and I was, I was using a, a, a composite um, carbon head that Callaway developed and I was hitting it straight, but I wasn't hitting at any distance. And the first three rounds, I really hadn't hold a great deal of putts. So this is, again, this is, I don't know why I did this, but I did it. I changed putter. I went from a Newport putter to a Newport 2 putter. And I changed driver from a Callaway carbon uh, composite driver. And I put a tailor-made driver in going into the last round and I was hitting this driver you know a good 15 yards further than that Callaway composite and uh, I got to 11 and instead of struggling to get it over the hill I hit this driver flushed it flew the hill straight down the fairway and I was chipping in a little nine iron about eight feet knocked that in for birdie it's Gary Evan for his birdie on 11 and take the lead <laughs> Wow. Hello, hello, hello. And the great thing is, <laughs> if you not, if you can, if you control everything, don't become afraid. You're well ahead. Just think, well, if I keep going, I can get a good prize. Forget the first prize. Eleven holes into his final round in the 131st Open, and Evans had made eight birdies and one bogey. He was on track for one of the best rounds in the history of the Open, and he held the lead the championship so uh, I now know I didn't know at the time I now know that I had a two-shot lead walking to the 12th tee uh, hit good drive good shot into about 12 feet missed it 
13, one of the best par threes in the world. I hit five iron, came off, came off the shot, missed the green right, and right of the greenside trap, and I had a very delicate chip over the bunker. Anyway, I stiffed the chip shot, and uh, suddenly the nerves kicked in. Suddenly I knew I was right there. But Evans, unlike all those daring to dream he could pull off the impossible, was desperate to avoid getting ahead of himself. A par on the 14th hole and Evans was still leading the open. His great golf continued, but at this point, the Worthing man's nerves could not be calmed. Go to 15, um, hit three iron off that tee, pins back right, I hit a lovely eight iron, four foot left of the flag. So I get down there and it's downwind, winds off the right a little bit, but downwind this putt, but it's quick. And I just, I remember just touching this putt. I thought I'd made it. It catches a good chunk of the left side of the, the lip, spins out and runs about three foot past. Looks after it in disbelief. I think he thought that was going to drop. And suddenly it was the first putt that I'd had that was missable. So I'm standing over this three foot putt to save par at, um, at 15 and the electricity's running through my hands and I knock it straight in the middle. Ivan's with this putt back. Saves par. Solid four at 15, 16, 17 and 18 still to play for the 33-year-old Englishman. So, a bit of relief, walk over to the 16th tee, six iron, I catch it a little bit thin. I've hit it right down the middle of the green, but it's pitched on the front part of the green and it's started falling back off the front of the green. And it waddles its way down a good, I don't know, 15 yards short of the front edge. So now I'm left with this pitch shot over the, uh, the, the bunker, the front left bunker flags about 15 feet over the over the bunker and I played probably the best pitch shot of my life championship leader Gary Evans unfortunate to ball come off the front of the 16th green to here and it stopped half an inch short middle of the hole great shot he's made it Discussing how difficult this shot was, how nearly, nearly impossible it was in our minds. I was just sort of thinking how many times that you miss a, a birdie opportunity like you did on 15 and bogey the next hole, it's incredible. And I was hoping that wasn't going to happen to Gary. Well, under the severest of pressure, that was a magnificent chip. Another inch, my goodness. I mean, the funny thing is, I've only seen the recording, I've seen the recording once of a replay of the that tournament and I remember Alex Hay as I'm walking off the green Alex Hay says and this young man looks as calm as a cucumber Gyro. he looks like the calmest man on the entire field he's totally relaxed I'm like are you joking I mean do you have any idea I mean I was absolutely shaking shaking Evans stepped onto the 17th tee at six under par for the championship. He did not know at the time, but a 4-4 finish would win him the Open. Um, Walk up onto the 17th tee, probably the most difficult shot for me because I'm a fader of a golf ball and um, 
you know, the bunkers are all up the left-hand side, the famous bunkers that Azinger drove into when Faldo uh, beat him. I ripped the drive, but there was very little movement in it, and I was begging the ball to cut, cut whilst it was in the air. He might have cut it away. No, he has. He's bounced it away. He flew it straight at the edge of the bunkers, and that is now perfect and an awful long way, Sam. He missed the bunker by about a yard and ran up into the middle of the fairway. And so as we're walking off the tee, I suddenly had this thought in my mind, I'm going to win the Open. And the moment I thought that, I tried to unthink it. And so I walked up to the fairway, walked up, the, up to the ball, and it was perfect. I got 256 flag, uh, flags middle right. Um, I got this perfect forward for me, left edge of the green, hit just a hard knuckleball fade. And uh, I just got a bit short with my backswing and I threw the hands at it a little bit and I pulled it, just hit a straight ball. Pulled it way left. I think that uh, he got a little bit anxious at the top of his backswing there and turned into the ball rather rapidly. I'm thinking, oh, well, it'll be all right. It'll be in the rough, but it'll be all right. I'll be able to chip up the green from there. And we walk up there. This is when Gary has to walk up there very slowly. As the five minutes starts when he gets in there. This is not good. And everyone's looking and no one's got the ball. And we get in there and someone shouts, I've got a ball find it no tightless no marshall's just picked a ball up we don't think it's it and we've still not found it and there's a huge crowd down here trying to find it wrong ball. it's not a tightless one it was a tightless two someone finds another ball it's a i think he's gonna have to go back someone's found another ball now right another different ball there are almost too many people in there they're uh, tra- really trampling over the ball could be easily underneath their feet it's so thick this is most unfortunate uh, for Gary, a lost ball here. It cost him the, well, the Open Championship, who knows? Anyway, the fifth ball, 30, 30, less than 30 seconds to go before the five minutes is up. Someone says, I've got it, Titleist 2. Well, said they found a Titleist. Is Gary, is Gary play Titleist? Can we all move back a bit, please? They're just checking the, checking the ball now. That's it. And well, he's putting the, he's putting the tee down to have a look to check if it's his ball. But it looks like he's found it. Wonderful. Just as you can tell by the gallery's reaction, oh, they found Gary's ball. I'm not sure what the lie's like, but whatever it is, it's better than what he could have no, had. He's picked it up, Laura. It's not his. Oh. Heartbreaking for the man. Uh, he's probably got 30, 40 seconds. He has uh, enough. They have marked the referees there. He'll know in five minutes when he's up. Come on, look down, don't look at me. Rush over there, put my marker down, turn the golf ball to identify it, and of course my marking is not on the golf ball. It's not my ball. And then the referee says, time up. Not how unfortunate the championship lead there. He'll have so many things going through his head, won't he, Sam? But he's got to compose himself and, and try and make a six. He'll still be five under. Absolutely. He's got to regroup, knock it on the green, two putt, and he'll still be leading the Open. Evans had lost his second shot on the 71st hole of the championship. But digging deep, Evans recalled the lessons he learned from Greg Norman nine years previously at Royal St. George's. After losing his ball, a lesser player and a lesser person would have given in. 
Evans, with the help of his caddy Dominic Bott, never did such a thing. Evans kept fighting until the bitter end, and that dogged determination helped produce one of the greatest moments in the history of the Open Championship. So I said to Dominic, I said, right, give me the ball and the forward. He says, no. He says, I'm coming with you. I said, just give me the ball and the forward. He says, no. And he walked the full 250 yards back down the fairway with me in my ear the whole time and telling me, you know, we can do this. It's not a problem. We can still do this. And uh, so I dropped the ball, full shot, forward, and hit the shot that I wanted to hit the first time around. Carries fourth shot. Alex, if he gets up and down, it'll be a par, but it'll be the finest par he's ever made in his life. 45, 50 feet, but flag high. This is not bad. It's a wonderful shot. He'll have that for par. Two putts for a bogey. And he'll still be leading the open. I walk round the putt, and uh, as I'm the other side of the hole down on my haunches reading the putt it's a double breaker I can hear the sound of my heart thumping you know it's my heart's just going bang 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 like this and it's like loud in my ears I'm thinking this is mad anyway I walk round get over the putt and think come on just make a good stroke I've struck it perfectly Sure, the whole nation is willing this one in. It went to the right, it went to the left. What a That's one of the most courageous things any of us have ever seen. Goes straight into the middle of the hole, and the crowd erupts and goes nuts. And I've saved par. Just a routine par, Sunday afternoon. Always looked like a part to him, I suppose. And that was a most magnificent moment in golf or in sport of any kind. There's Verplank wishing him well. He's really got to regroup now, Alex. That's a lot of emotions he's been through in the last 10 minutes. Well, he's got a long enough walk back to the 18th tee, so as you say, Sam, now he's got to, he had to regroup to go back to the, the fourth shot on 17. Now he's got to regroup back to this tee on 18. It was one of the most remarkable moments ever seen in a major championship. Evans had experienced a roller coaster ride like almost no other. I mean, finding those five golf balls, none of which are mine, were, you know, up, down, up, down, five times emotionally. Then the walk back and thinking you've blown it. And then five minutes later, you hold the butt and you've still got a lead. And, and everyone going crazy. I mean, the noise was just ridiculous. From a glorious chance to win the Open, to complete deflation, to then performing a miracle. Evans had taken five on 17, but he still held the outright lead in the championship at six under par. I walked out into the 18th fairway and uh, you have to walk back about 70, 80 yards to get to the tee at uh, 18th tee at Muirfield. And it gave me a little bit of time to try and collect my thoughts and, and try and refocus. And and then, you know, I had my kind of a little bit of a John van der Velde moment up the 18th, which was, you know, a bit of a shame. Uh, I hit two iron off the 18th tee to take the big bunker out of play. thought, if I avoid that, then... I'm good to go. Anyway, I blocked the tee shot ever so slightly, 
gone right. And I had a really bad lie, and I couldn't get anything more than an eight-iron, nine-iron into the back of the ball. So I thought, I'll try and take the, the bunkers out of play and just get it within 50, 60 yards of the green. Anyway, the club wrapped in the in the rough, uh, snap-hooked, and it went into the grandstand, green side, uh, grandstand, sort of 50, 60 yards short of the green. We've seen this before, haven't we? This is beginning to become reminiscent of, uh, of Carnoustie. Landing in amongst all the spectators in the grandstand. Now, obviously, if that happens, there, uh, there is a dropping zone. I get a free drop, um, and I've uh, got a reasonable lie. The, the reason we say that is because if you have a look at the grass there, the grass is lying towards the green, which means that he's not going to. The grass is not going to hinder his shot very much at all, and the club head will travel through it very comfortably. But he must keep a tighter grip than he had on the last shot. Pitched it out, just fell off the right edge of the green, about 15, 18 foot. second round and made the cut and he, it was at 10 p.m. that he completed the round so it's been one of the most topsy-turvy weeks truly in his life and I hit a chip and run with a seven iron caught the right right edge of the hole and left me about seven feet and I looked up on the scoreboards and I could see Peter O'Malley was in the clubhouse and uh, I had a lead but I had this putt for bogey so effectively, at that moment in time, um, this putt was for the Open. Never a winner on the tour. Seconds and third have been his best finishes. A top amateur player. I remember getting down on my haunches and marking the ball and, and Dominic was behind me and he cleaned the ball and as he put it back down in my hand, he tapped me on the shoulder and says, come on son, knock this in. And I, as I was putting the ball down, you know, in front of the mark and my hands were shaking and I backed away and there was two inches outside the left lip was the line. So it was a good bit of break on a short putt. And I, I put the putter down behind the ball, the putter head was shaking. I went through my routine, you know, two, two strokes, look up, putter behind the ball, look up one more time and hit it. It's a brave putt, but it's a fun. completes one of the most extraordinary rounds in the history of the Open Championship. 
110 years since the championship was first played over these famous links at Muirfield. And what drama. The lost ball at 17. And then the single putt to come off that green in par figures. And in to sign for his round with a share of the lead. Five under par. And the relief to see that ball disappear. I can't tell you. Evans was spent, his energy gone. He could not compose himself for some time after the round and was just happy to be off the golf course. Relief. Absolute relief. Relief that it was over. Because the the roller coaster, um, you know, I felt in control right the way through the round, literally, up until... Um, 17th and the moment I hit that poor second shot um, suddenly everything became five times harder than it had been previously Um, you know pressure whatever you want to call it the opportunity you know you've got to bear in mind this is a golfer that hasn't won a golf tournament in 10 years on tour hasn't won a professional golf tournament as a professional. And here I am on the biggest of stages with a two-shot lead, with two holes to play. And that emotional roller coaster um, up 17, it, it effectively continued up 18 with hitting it into the stands. I just wanted, at that stage, you know, I couldn't reset, I couldn't refocus, I couldn't, I couldn't find the calmness that you need to operate under those conditions. And so it was absolute relief when that ball disappeared. I forgot to shake Scott Verplank's hand um, because I was so gone. I struggled to count um, the score up in the scorer's tent. I was so sort of emotionally uh, done at that stage. I struggled to do it. And uh, yeah, I was in a, I was in a... I'd say a proper mess for a good 15 minutes after I finished. Looking back, Evans knew what had lost him the Open. After 16 glorious holes, Evans needed 4-4 to tie the all-time major championship scoring record and win the Open. After an incredible drive on the 17th, Evans was odds-on to accomplish the feat. It was on that walk that he made the fatal error. So you know the cliche, you know, as a kid, you stand on a putting green. Imagine having this putt for the Open Championship. Yeah, we've all done it. Everyone's done it. Um, And the moment you take away consequence, it just becomes a five-foot putt. And you hold them all day, every day, you know, in practice. You do that all the time. But the moment you attach a consequence to it, you get in your own way and you mess up. So for me, um, I was aware of what was going on after I birded two, three, four and six. And I knew I was right there, right, right on the periphery, if not leading, you know, right on the periphery of leading right there. I knew that if I started to think about what I was doing, then I'd mess up. I knew I was good enough, I was swinging the club well, I was putting better 
I felt confident in, in my golf swing. And I felt confident in myself. And I just didn't want to get in my own way. So all we did was talk about other, other stuff. And as I, as I told you, the moment, the one mistake I made on the 17th tee after I'd hit my drive was, oh my God, I'm going to win the Open. And the moment I thought that, I tried to unthink that. Because I, I stepped into the sphere of consequence. And that was a mistake. Had, I, I couldn't help myself. You know, I'm, I'm playing the best golf of my life under the most extreme pressure. And I've got the biggest tournament in the palm of my hand. It's right there. All I've got to do is close my fingers. But to not think that under those circumstances is difficult. It's difficult. When Evans knew that his 500 par total was not enough, just one shot shy of a four-way playoff, disappointment set in. His head still in a whirl, Evans headed home for London with a friend. But his Open heroics were far from over. After qualifying for the Open in 2003 off the back of his incredible performance at Muirfield, the Englishman once again found himself in contention. Although Evans wouldn't come as close to winning as in 2002, he once again proved that he had the talent and the skill to be right in the thick of golf's original major. (laughs) I told Dominic we were going to win going out the last round. I said to him, you know, after the tournament, I played better in 2003 than I did in 2002. T to green, I absolutely flushed it uh, at St. George's in 2003. And I just could not buy a putt. Um, and it was a real shame. But I was happy with my happy with my finish. So uh, I wasn't unhappy with 10th at St. George's. There was still room for one more heroic moment. In 2004, again after qualifying through the previous year's finish, Evans produced a shot of the rarest kind, an albatross in the Open, one of only seven in Open Championship history at the time. It was a shot that ensured, despite his previous close calls, that Evans' name would positively be in the Open history books forever. I think I was playing with... It might have been Brad Faxon and Peter O'Malley, um, first round... And I played the first three holes beautifully. And again, I couldn't make a putt, um, but played it really well. And then it hit a great drive down four. And it was pretty much into the sun second shot. I had 225 out uh, and I flushed this five iron and it was the right half of the green. And the flag was up on the second tier. And there was this, I think there were three people down by the green because we were first out, three people down by the green, and I think one person started clapping. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, to get down there, I found that I'd made an albatross, and like three people saw it, but only one person clapped was quite, quite, uh, quite unusual, quite a strange uh, feeling. But uh, yeah, Troon, Troon's obviously, you know, it's a great golf course. Um, it's got great holds great memories for me. Obviously, my first Open Championship was there and and my last Open Championship was there. After 2004, Evans' last Open, his love of the game soon soured. More injuries and other circumstances led to the premature retirement of Evans in 2006. He didn't hit a ball for nearly two years after that. In 2019, Evans came back to the senior tour after a 13-year absence 
and has a rekindled love for professional golf. His love for the Open, however, has never wavered. I mean, the Open Championship for me has always been just the most exciting tournament um, to be a part of because, it, you know, the history, um, because, you know, I've been out first and I've been out last. I've been out at 7.15, first out at Birkdale uh, in sort of 1991, I think it was, when Baker Finch won. I've been last out at 4.15. And, you know, the tee times themselves are unusual in world golf. I mean, you know, who goes out to play golf at four o'clock in the afternoon for a, you know, in a major tournament? It's, it doesn't normally happen. But, you know, the, the fans, the, the size of the, the, you know, the, the stage, the RNA, you know, I'm, I'm, I know I've, you know, been known a little bit to be a bit outspoken at times and what have you, but I, love the tradition of this game. I love the tradition of the RNA. I'm a protector of, of all things that are you know, the integrity of, of what we, we participate in. And, you know, I, I just think the Open Championship is just, it's just the greatest event. And it gives normal people an opportunity to tear up with your heroes. And that's what I was at the end of the day in 89, you know, I was a kid chasing a dream and and to 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 tee it up next to some of these guys to walk onto the range next to these guys to breathe the same air to hit the same balls to get changed in the same locker room all of that stuff it's just just brilliant and and i would advise any kid that that, that gets his game to a good enough level enter the open give it a go try your best you know it is the greatest experience. Gary Evans may not be the household name of a Jack Nicholas, a Tom Watson, a Tiger Woods or an Ernie Els. But one thing is for sure. The Englishman, once a stellar amateur, who has never won a professional golf tournament, produced moments in the Open Championship in the early part of this millennium that are worthy of some of the game's greats. Evans dreams of once again playing in the Open. But if 2004 was his last event, the mark he has left on golf's original major is permanent. A self-proclaimed normal guy, whose talent perhaps was never given the opportunity to fully realise itself, Evans is a people's champion. The Open gave him that chance, and he encourages all others to chase their dreams as well. Who knows what might happen? This has been an original audio production from The Open.